is Mushiroku, Dongshan's No Grass. Introduction. Move and you bury your body 10,000 feet deep. Don't move and sprouts grow right where you are. You must cast off both sides and let the middle go. Then you must buy some new sandals and travel some more before you really attain realization. The case. Dongshan said to the assembly, it's the beginning of autumn, the end of summer, and you, brethren, will go. Some to the east, some to the west. You must go where there is not an inch of grass for 10,000 miles. He also said, but where there is not an inch of grass for 10,000 miles, how can you go? Shishuan said, going out the gate, immediately there is grass. Diane said, even not going out the gate, still, the grass is boundless. The verse. Grass, boundless, inside the gate, outside the gate, you see for yourself. To set foot in the forest of thorns is easy. To turn the body outside the luminous screen is hard. Look, look. How many kinds? For a while, going along with the old tree, with the same emaciation in the cold, about to fall the spring wind into the skulls of the burning. To before we before today, if we're going to still maintain the schedule as planned, if we're still going to go forward with the Zazanka, what's the plan? What are we practicing? What is practice about? I think we forget sometimes. No, it never ends. It never begins. It never ends. We practice what is. So if we really practice what is, who are we fooling if we change the plans? And if we change the plans, what's the new plan? So say that we cancel Zazenkai because it's hard. Then what? Where do we go? What's the option? Can we not practice? What's the option? Can we practice life and life shows up the way it shows up? And our job, our, what we take on, as practitioners, is to meet life the way it shows up and to practice it as is. Which means if it's hot, we practice heat. We want to meet extreme heat right where it's at. When it's cold, we want to meet the cold right where it's at. We need to change, not the weather, not the circumstances. We ourselves need to change the way we think, the way we act, the way we move. Because we don't want to do that. We don't want to go against the grain. Then how can we expect growth? How can we grow spiritually? How can we see beyond what we know? Well, we all have to go against the grain. And how we go against the grain 
varies from person to person. You know, sometimes people come to the sun and I tell them, here's what you need to do. Well, often they don't want to do it. Right? And then the next person, I will tell exact opposite of what I told the person before that. Well, it's not because I can't make up my mind. It's because for one person, that makes sense. That is going against the grain. For another person, quite the opposite will be going against the grain. For one person, I may say, you got to sit longer. To another, I may say, you sit too much. This is why Dokusan was invented, right? This is why it is such a, an important part of the tradition. Because we sit down face to face and then we look, what's going on? What did you bring with you today? Where are you stuck? And what is the upaya? For you today, what is most skillful for you today to do in order to go against the grain, to push yourself, to do what's uncomfortable? Where is the habit grabbing today? And that, that's ongoing practice. This is what we need to do. What practice is about. When we wake up in the morning and we don't know what we will practice today. Because every day is different. Even with chanting, they sound the same, right? We repeat the same chants over and over again, but it's different. What's different is the thoughts that appear in our minds in relation to what we chant. Emotions passing by, the memories maybe, connotations to what we chant. Barriers. Which is fine. As long as we're open to it, as long as we're open to pushing the envelope further and further and further. And to buy some new sandals, hit the road again and again every day. And it's structured, of course it's structured, right? You know, and it has to be structured, otherwise we run amok with our habits. So we have to rein it in, we have to bring it in and examine. And examining is what we did, I would hope, the last three months, right, as we are now concluding today this, this Angor period. A couple of you are new here, so just for you, Angro is a three months training period that we hold twice a year. And it uh, goes back to the time of the Buddha, where he, during the monsoon periods, as you know, he had his, uh, he instructed his followers to stay in one place and deepen their practice. In other words, sit longer look deeply into what's grabbing them, the entanglements, and explore that further. Right? And it was for safety reasons, but obviously not just for that, it was upai, it was skillful to go deep. So the Zen tradition has adapted that, and now we, and many Zen communities, uh, Angor is kept up with twice a year. So it's a three-month period, usually spring and fall. Now each person takes on things to focus on, things to develop, things to go deeper to, explore. And then there is an entry ceremony. We all, you know, one by one, stand up on the ashiki, we read the commitments, we seal it with a bow, and we do our best to uphold those commitments for the three-month period. So today's the conclusion of this angle. So, so we're wrapping up the angle today, and 
we move from uh, a period of intensified training, intensified practice, to a different kind of period, a more free-flowing practice. Some of us go on vacation, some of us go travel, spend time by the beach, hike, or maybe enjoy the summer with friends and family, hanging out, or whatever it is that we choose to do. But the question is, what do we learn? What have we learned from intensified practice period? How do we apply it in a way that allows us to maintain practice although circumstances change, although we move from what is structured to what is less structured? And maybe we have gotten in touch with some, some level of clarity in this past three months. But it is very easy, very easy to get trapped and entangled again. So that clarity is going to be very quickly tested by life, by what's next. As it always should be. We always should, whatever realizations we have, we have to bring them to life and ask, how do I live it? What does it mean? Moment by moment, day by day, when I'm encountering or when I encounter challenges, difficulties, things I don't like, things I like. What does it mean? What's the life of clarity? Well, what does the life of clarity look like? So how do we maintain how do you maintain the resolve about practice without being uptight about it? And that goes not just for summer, also for intensified training periods. How can we do what we have to do, stay on top of it, and yet not be uptight about it? Be relaxed about keeping up with a very tight schedule. Right? Whether it's Ango, whether it's Zazenkai, Sashin, Intensified training periods are not just traditional, they are necessary because they create a clear and conducive path that helps us quiet the mind. And so we can see the patterns or the ways our, our habit or habits control our words and actions. So that's important, but it's also as important to you know to loosen up a little bit and hang out and sit by the beach with the feet up and enjoy the sun and practice that. Practice it. Be there fully. Fully hang out. Fully do nothing. You know, it is right, people go on vacations and come back and they're not as relaxed. Or even during vacation. Thoughts about the vacation ending, thoughts about what's next, thoughts about what was. Haunt us. Wherever we go, we take it with us. Which is why it's important to know how to practice moment by moment, to practice life. One of the most valuable attributes we develop through the practice is the ability to, to fully embrace life just as it is. Which means at times when the conditions are agreeable and times they're not. Right? Times of challenges, difficulties. And Union summed up his entire teachings with the short and clear statement, just this is it, as I mentioned this morning, and I asked you to look at it at the beginning of the Zazenkai. 
right, to look deeply into just this is it. And he summed up his entire teachings. Right, he told them, passed it on to Dongchen. Dongchen asked him, what should I say when somebody asks me about your teachings? Just this is it. Tell them that. And that's after years and years of studying with Yunyan. Just this is it. Right? And, and Dongchan, of course, went deep into that after hearing it, or before and after. And kept his practice alive and kept his exploration going. Which means we also have to do the same. We have to take the time to dive deeply into the meaning of just this is it. You know, a short statement like that, like in the case of many short statements, right? It's a little tricky because it's easy to come up with an immediate explanation or interpretation. But that's okay, you know, we need to see the interpretation that the mind comes up with, look at it, allow it to subside, and look for it. And that's all that means. It doesn't mean that we have to do something about it, just let it be, like any other thought. Let it come, let it stick around, let it go. Or even while it's around, still, you choose to look deeper. You choose to embrace looking deeply. Now, this particular one, just this is it, right? It, it may seem as if it's expressing stagnation, resignation. Well, you know, this is as good as it gets, right? As good as it gets, it's my life. But good and bad, I'm stuck. But is this what he's saying? Or is it us looking at ourselves and not at what this statement is pointing at? Again and again, the teachings are clear. If we look at what they're pointing at, but if we look at the teachings and then look back at what we brought with us, again and again, we're going to encounter the same thing. Yeah, I know, I know, it's just about this moment, being in a moment, blah, blah, all that, right? I know what that means. But do we know what that means? And do we know how to live it? I've said before, a bunch of times, this, the the immense depth, endless depth that this practice will thrust you into is, is well, ungraspable, obviously, using a word from the teachings, right? But beyond ungraspable, it's just unimaginable. It's, it's just, and while it is unimaginable, it is immense beauty that just becomes more and more beautiful with time. Not like a wine. Bubble wine, it's just it gets older and just you learn to appreciate it more. It goes further and becomes more all encompassing on a personal level. But only if we stick with it, only if we don't run with our interpretations. So it may seem like resignation and stagnation. It may seem like he's saying, accept this as it is, don't inspire for anything else, don't bother on with changing anything. This is why we shouldn't be hasty and believe our automatic interpretations and take the time to study exhaustively. And again, as the introduction says, buy some sandals, new sandals, travel some more, study some more. Now, don't even used to actually say that. 
is to give this assignments to people to study things and he says study exhaustively then when you're done study it some more and again even that is going against the grain oh, going against the grain or the, the, the way we look at things usually we study something we conclude it we put it away we move on to the next thing we need to study or we want to study. But it's different. Study it exhaustively and then study it some more. Justice is it is actually liberating. It's opening things up rather than closing them. And so to penetrate the meaning of this statement, it takes time. Yeah, but when we sustain an angle period with resolve and clarity, by the end of the training period, we have moved a bit further in the process of embodiment. That's why that we have those periods. And as we move further on the process of embodiment, we increase the ability to embrace what arises and then learn to move through it. Maybe with more grace. Less stagnation. Now, whether it's a Zazenkai, a Sushin, Ango, those, those periods, those intensified periods, are intended to increase our spiritual strength and develop clarity about who we really are. And then learn to trust that as we move through moment by moment life. And a part of this process, of course, involves testing the assumptions and beliefs we have become attached to about ourselves over the years. Whatever it is we know about ourselves has to be put to the test within the furnace, inside the furnace of intensified training period. So Zen is, is more a way of untraining the mind from its old ways of being trained. And then release it from that, from those ways, right? And then teach it or teach ourselves how to operate differently. How could that be done without going against the grain? And the going against the grain has to happen all the time not just on the cushion or during anger. So we look at the, the most basic aspect of our practice, right? Zaza. Look at the basic instructions. We're taught to stay in one place, to not move. To not think the thoughts that arise. Just those instructions, right? It's the opposite of the way we usually, usually function. Usually we always run around. That's our usual way of being. And we obsess, not just think the thoughts that, that arise in our minds, we obsess over those thoughts. For decades. So just look at basic instructions, begin from there, because those instructions actually carry over to any intensified training period. That's what it's about, just in a different way. Because if we don't do that, thoughts become words, words become actions, and we know what happens afterwards. Look at the history of humanity. Look at what we do as people, as nations, to ourselves, to each other. And then all of it is automatic, all of it is habitual. Of course, I have to act this way. Based on what? Do I stop and look? 
Your instruction, do not move an inch, a muscle, do not move, is not a punishment. It's not, we're going to strap you down. As long as you move, automatically, you don't get a chance to examine what it is that is moving you and what, what are you obeying. So when you stop moving, when you don't give the habit, the body, it loses power over you, and then little by little you start to develop trust in something else. In just this is it. And it's automatic, and it's unobserved, and it's habitual. The other day I was teaching a keto class, and I came over to somebody who's been around maybe for a couple of years. He's fairly new. And, uh, and I corrected him, and he said, oh, I didn't see that I was doing it. He says, no, I'm not doing it on purpose. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know, I don't think he was apologetic, but he was actually very honest about it. I'm not doing it on purpose. I said, exactly. I want you to do on purpose this. I want you to be purposeful. I want you to shift from the automatic to the manual. I want you to open your eyes and decide what it is you're going to do. I'm not doing it on purpose. It's actually, it's exactly what we do. We don't do it on purpose. Even the atrocities that we look at, what's happening in this country, around the world, is not on purpose. We have no choice but to act like maniacs when we are not observing and looking at what is moving us. We have no choice. We are bound to act in crazy ways. Inhumane ways as long as we don't understand what it is to be human. Which is what we do. And this is not about Buddhism. It's about you sitting down, not moving, and looking at what is it, what does it mean to be a human being? What does it mean? What does it mean to act, to speak and act as a human being? What does it mean in relation to how we are with other people, with the planet, with other creatures around us? How do we share this planet? What does it mean to be a human being? So as I was telling him, you know, slow down. Look at what you do. Give yourself the time to explore. Don't go so fast. And there's another thing, you know, when we move fast, or the opposite of sitting down and not moving, we'll be moving fast, right, if you go to the other extreme. And as long as we are moving fast, there's no way to intercept the habit. It's already controlling. This is what it knows to do. Automatically, we know exactly how to move from habit. But then we slow down a little bit, we get a chance to look, and not just on the map, like you with everyday life. Slow down. Take your time. Before you move, before you speak, before you act. If possible. If not possible, then go fast while you go slow. Or go slow while you go fast. That's also possible. Which means maintain a high level of awareness. Before you say something, examine. Is it of benefit? And if I am saying it, where is it coming from? What is it strengthening? Also, what it's weakening. You know, so the process of moving from the habitual and the unintentional to the aware and intentional. 
So in terms of, of formal Zen training, in terms of intensified uh, training periods, you know, we occasionally, on a regular basis, we step out of what we call my everyday life, and then we step into what we call intensified training periods. Right? And then when that period ends, we step back into what we call my everyday life. Right? Back to the Maybe I call it the raging river of my life. And then that goes on and on, right? Stepping in, stepping out. Which is conducive and skillful. And then we keep doing it just to get to, at some point, to get to a realization that there is no stepping in and there is no stepping out. But we have to. Step in and step out, step in and step out. Go from one angle to another, go from one zazenkan to another, one session to another. Crank up the heat, go deeper, loosen it up a little bit, crank it up again, loosen it up. Over and over again until we start to realize seamless existence. So for now, for today, spring angle is ending. And we are kind of, in a way, dispersing. Which is where Dong Shan was facing at the end of the training period. And they addressed everybody. And just before they were about to leave. He said, some of you will go to the east, some to the west. And you must go where there's not an inch of grass for 10,000 miles. In a way, you're saying, now that you have developed some clarity, maybe grown a bit in your spiritual strength, you must go to a place where there are no challenges and no obstacles. You must go directly to a reality that poses no financial difficulties or burdens. A place where work situation is ideal. A place where you have kids that do exactly what you want them to do. And a house maybe that does not require ever any maintenance. For good. Stays good. Right? Go there. Now that you have reached some level of clarity, go see if or how the world or your reality matches that clarity. Could be disappointing, right? So don't you be saying that you must go to a place that is wide, open, and clear. But is it possible? Well, that depends on what definitions or definition you have assigned to wide, open, and clear. And the footnote there says he's luring cats into a dry well. And to lure a cat into a dry well means to know exactly what the cat wants and to use it to tempt the cat so it will follow you. It will follow you, fall into a dry well, and die. So Dong Chan knows exactly what we want. And he's using it to tempt us. Then go look for it. Now he's the teacher. He must know that there is such a place. Otherwise, why would he say that? And so with this statement, he's luring us to a place of no complications. Maybe he wants us to die to the illusion that there is another place, another time, another you. Maybe he wants you to die to the illusion that 
nirvana and samsara are different, which would match our expectations. That's what we want. Here's what I want to reject, and here is what I want to arrive at. Here is what I want it to look like. And here's how I want people to behave. More than anything. Well, they're the ones who should be enlightened. I'm already done. Right? I want to go to a place where everybody is realized. People get along. So then he paused for a little bit. And he said, but where there is not an inch of grass for 10,000 miles, how can you go? There's that too. And the footnote says, once the word is uttered, a team of horses cannot overtake it. as long as we're alive, we are going to create complications. Always there will be a mess to clean up, people to take care of, bills to pay, laundry to wash, walls to patch, and ignorance to deal with. Whether it's our own ignorance or somebody else's, it doesn't matter. It's not going anywhere. Nor should it go anywhere. All of it is grass. Everyday life is made of grass. And that's why Dongshan is asking, how do you go to a place where, that has no grass? As long as you're alive, that's where life happens, in the weeds. And it's tough, walk in the weeds. Some of you were there, Daimusatsu, right? You walked in the weeds and came back with some gifts from the weeds, right? To clean it up, take it out with tweezers. It's complicated. It's always too something, too hot, too cold, too much this, not enough that. You know, there are consequences and effects for every word and every action. That's why it says that once the world is out there, the team of horses cannot overtake it. So does it mean you don't talk, you don't move, you don't act, you don't live? Because we're afraid to create complications? We're afraid to deal with consequences? Being born comes with consequences. To have a body is to suffer. Right? I mean, just, again, forget Buddhism. This is just life. What do we want? What do we expect? What else is there other than that? So there are consequences, but do we have to see it as a problem? Or, or can this be the solution to a problem that does not exist? Can our lives, our everyday lives, in its entirety, the likes and dislikes, can our lives be a solution to a problem that does not exist? And if it's not a solution, then what? Then justice is it. Applies later. Applies to an idea. Because for now, not yet. 
So the question is, in relation to Dongshan's statement, you know, why did he say, why would he say, you must go to a place where there's not an inch of grass for 10,000 miles, and then add, but where there's not an inch of grass for 10,000 miles, how can you go? So does the second line mean that there is no such place, and we are stuck in the grass? Maybe there is such a place. Maybe it just doesn't match our image of it. And because of that, we cannot see that we are actually free while functioning within the grass with the inevitable, constant complications that come with it. The complications that come with living. Any complications, it's a matter. We all have our own things we have to work with, things we have to deal with. But who says this is not practice? Who says this is not exactly what you need to practice right now? We do, right? What if you? recognize that the hardship you're going through right now, whatever that is, and we all do, what if you realize that this is exactly what you need to practice? This is all you can practice, and this is where it is all found. Not later when the outcome, the, the desired outcome, arrives, but now, in the midst of it. Now we only need to choose between the bliss of realization, which is away from the mess of everyday life, or being stuck up to our neck in the mud. And it's also not about looking for a way to reconcile those two. Right? As it says in the introduction, move and you bury your body 10,000 feet deep. Do not, if you don't move, this and sprouts grow right where you are. And it says, you must cast off both sides, both delusion and realization, and then let the middle go as well. Then you get back on the road and go deeper into practice. Well, then you're free from the idea of going from what you don't like towards what you like. The idea of going from Nirvana to, from Samsara to Nirvana. The idea of practicing somebody else's life. I mean, that somebody could be a person that you like, or maybe an image of yourself, a better version of yourself later on. So then, it says, Shishuan said, going out the gate, immediately there's grass. There's an interesting story brought up in the commentary about this con. Um, about Shishuan, Shishuan's comment is that during the Buddhist persecution, 9th century China, Shishuan uh, found a hiding place with, uh, in the potter's village, with the potters, and concealed the fact that he was a Zen teacher. He just lived with them for a while uh, without any robes or anything. And then one of the monks who happened to participate at, at this Dongshan's uh, training period was traveling through the village and came across Shishuan. And Shishuan asked him, where did you come from? And the monk said that he was at a retreat with Dongshan over the summer. So Shishuan asked him to share something from Dongshan's teachings. And then the monk said that before they were about to leave, to disperse, Dongshan said, you must go to a place where one inch of grass for 10,000 miles. And Shishuan looked at him and said, going out the gate immediately, there's grass. 
So that comment actually was taken and put together with this koan from a later time. So he said, going out the gate, immediately there's grass. Now this comment actually got Chishuan into trouble. When the monk went back to the monastery, shared it with Dongshan, Dongshan said, this is a saying of a teacher of 1,500 people. But how many could be there in all of China? So after that, Chishuan actually was found and was pulled out and was appointed to be an abbot of a monastery. Punishment. Should have concealed his mouth too, not just his robes, right? So he was found and dragged out and was assigned to lead, to lead a monastery. Actually, I have to say, as you know, my teacher used to say when somebody would ordain, welcome to Zen slavery. You remember? So, yeah, there is that. So, going out the gate, immediately there's grass. And the footnote says, Watch where you're going. Watch where you're going. But just watch, listen, experience. Don't compare, don't judge. Just watch. Don't quantify. Who says there's something wrong with this? Who says I should not experience this? Who says it's gonna, it should be difficult? Who says it's gonna, it should be easy? Who's saying this? And then Diane said, even not going out the gate, Still, the grass is boundless. And the footnote to that says, there is no place for you to escape. Bottom line, right? There is no other place. There is no other time. Maybe the most important realization, recognition, There is no place for you to escape. Only seems as if he's saying you're stuck. Only seems that way. But in reality, what he's saying is that you're free. Because there is no place for you to escape, you're free. Because just this is it, there is no place for you to escape. And because there is no place to escape, just this is it. Full circle. Back where we started, back where we are. Which I think is the, the gift of Zazen. And sit, don't move. Don't move. And then you realize, yeah, this is it. Yeah, but, ah, too late. You missed it. Sit down, keep your mouth shut. <clears throat> Versus grass, boundless. Inside the gate, outside the gate, you see for yourself. Grass, boundless, and the footnote says, below, no bottom, to the sides, no border. And, and what we perceive as hindrance is actually not hindered by anything or hindered only by our perception. What is, what is making it seem as if it is hindering us is our own perception. I decide that this grass is not the kind I want. It's not thick enough, right? Too many weeds around it. The neighbor has better grass. Right, then I'm going to go there, take some, or maybe stay there. But the decision that this is not it is creating a complication, another complication, a different kind of complication. Or a second arrow, if you remember, from the Two Arrow Sutra. 
below nor bottom to the sides, no boulder. So yes, there is the feeling that arise, or the feelings that arise at the moment of interaction when we see something we don't like. There is that, or maybe contraction. But when we don't add a story to it, it's wide open, and it changes. Today there's one feeling, tomorrow there's another feeling. And if I don't give to today's feeling a story, then it moves through and then I'm open to tomorrow's feelings or experiences. No bottom, no sides, no top, no boundaries. Wide open. This is where Dongshan wants us to go. This is what what Dongshan know, where we are already standing. That's why he's saying it. He knows we are boundless as the grass. Inside the gate, outside the gate, you see for yourself, Hypnot says, beware of being tricked up. Which is actually pointing at how do you see for yourself? How do you work on it? Are you willing to go against the grain? Are you willing to put your assumptions to the test? Or are you going to keep telling the story to yourself and others? To set foot in the forest of thorns is easy. To turn the body outside the luminous screen is hard. To set foot in the forest of thorns is easy. Well, I think we, we know how easy it is to get trapped, how easy it is to get injured by life. And to turn the body outside the luminous screen is hard. And the footnote says, the clear ground fools people. And the clear ground fools people because we have an idea of what we think the clear ground should look like because we think it should not have any grass on it. Because grass is the opposite of clear. But what is it clear of? Is it, does it mean it's clear of, clear of grass or is it clear of you? Is it clear of the interpretations? Is it clear of the judgment? What is clear? What is clarity? Look, look, it says. How many times? How many options do you think you have? The way is difficult only to those who pick and choose, right? How many options do you think you have? Right now, at this second, how many options do you have? About what you're doing, about what you're thinking, about what you're experiencing? Does anybody have an option? Or another choice? For, for the while, going along with the old tree with the same emaciation in the cold, about to follow the spring wind into the skulls of the burning. And the footnote to that, said the last line says, just keep today's determination and you'll surely have a time of fulfillment. So beautiful, isn't it? Just keep today's determination. Be wholeheartedly committed to this, this, just as it is. And you, you'll surely have a time of, you'll have a life of fulfillment. A life of fulfillment. A life worth living. It's just about this. 
nothing else. About to fall the spring wind into the skulls of the burning. This, this line is actually, in a way, it's, 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 it says it all about practice. It talks about realization and it talks about actualization. Actualizing the fundamental point. To follow the spring wind, the spring wind, the wind of realization, of seeing all things as one. Where does it lead if not to the skulls of the burning? To where people are suffering? Where else? If not in the grass. Now the Buddha realized after a long and difficult journey, he realized. And what did he do after that? Spent the rest of his life in the heart of suffering all the time. Helping, working with people, talking with people, seeing them torture themselves, torture others. Knowing very well that this is completely avoidable. He knew that. Because he, he freed himself from that. He knew there is another way. Yet he chose to spend the rest of his life helping others. He didn't have to do that. Right? He could have just said, I'm done with this. I'm just going to go live at peace for the rest of my life. Or in a hut somewhere, you know, grow some fruit, and enjoy it. But you know, there's a line in the commentary that says, if you keep sitting in the clouds, the source is not marvelous. If you keep sitting in the clouds, the source is not marvelous. It's incomplete realization. Which is not even realization. The life of the life of the realization is in the actualization, and actualization is in the grass. Boundless everywhere. So just about to end this, going to a couple of months of more relaxed, we don't have any events coming up, and that's on purpose. And the task for all of us, those who are here, those who will be listening to this station, is to go through this period and practice it and embrace it wholeheartedly so then, when the fall comes, we don't lose the practice. Which means for the next anger, before the next anger rolls in, we can look back and say, I've used this period to go further and deeper into my practice. Right? And the idea is that with every passing anger, every passing events, the Shin Zazenkai, we do exactly that. And then in between as well, we do exactly that. We go further and further. So we don't regress in the progress, in the deepening. So take that to heart. Take it seriously. Commit to chilling out. Commit to putting your feet up. Live it. Appreciate it. Don't dwell on what's next. Don't dwell on what was. Live it fully. Because who knows what's next, right? Live it. Embrace it. Embody it.